Okay, I'm going to start off this morning with a, a couple passages that will lay the foundation for our conversation today. And, and, and please keep in mind that the words that I'm about to read are literally God-breathed. Understand, Maple Grove, these words are sharper than a doubled-edged sword. Uh, they penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and they judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Uh, these words are useful to teach us what is true and to help us realize what is not right in our lives. They, these words correct us when we're wrong. They teach us to do what is right, and they thoroughly equip us for every good work. Uh, these words are like the, the rain and snow that come down from the heavens. They water our lives, causing things to bud and flourish. Yes, these words are from God, and they will not return to him void this very day. Uh, listen, if you ever wondered why, that every week I can stand up here and be confident and be excited, that's why. I mean, these words are the very words of the creator God, the one who's before all things, over all things, and holds all things together. Amen? Amen. These words are alive <clears throat> and active. Okay, now for the passages I want to read. The first is in Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. And one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. And notice, it's Jesus' idea to go to the other side of the lake. Like he, he knew where they're going, and he knows what's about to happen. Uh, but soon a fierce storm came down the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, Someone say, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. The next passages come from Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 4. Question, does anyone know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? He was where? He was in, he was in jail. He was in prison. Now, I would call that a fierce, my boat is taking on water, I'm in real danger storm. Wouldn't you? Ever been there? In a taking on water storm? Are you there now? Paul writes, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, someone say, as a result, as a result. it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden, everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And then the Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. Okay, Paul. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you guys stand up for a second? If you don't mind. I'm just getting you guys started for your take two. <laughs> Sometimes it's time to get up. Take two and welcome those around you. Amen. Okay, you all should be nice and awake. Heavenly Father, <laughs> Lord Jesus, we beseech you. Help them finish after yakking. All right, here we go. Hey, today is our final week in our four-week series, Grace is Greater Than. And the premise of that series, the series is that no matter what you put on the other side of the equation, grace is greater than. Okay, my line is grace is, your line is greater than. Grace is? Grace is? Grace is? Amen. Listen, there's no greater power in all of creation than the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, turn to the person right and left and say, no greater power. No greater power. Now this morning, I got to keep you all going, right? This morning, November 12th, 2023, the equation we're going to be unpacking is grace is greater than our circumstances. Got any? Uh, got any not so fun, stormy, taking on water, real dangerous circumstances? Grace is greater than. Now the text I read earlier from Philippians 4, Paul makes a a kind of hard-to-believe statement. I mean, imagine being able to say the same thing, to believe the same thing, and to actually live out the same thing in your not-so-fun circumstances. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. How you doing with that? I know what it is to be in need. I know what is that plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Seriously, Paul, for real? Whatever? Question, have you learned that secret yet? I mean, can we be real for a moment? Like, are you, am I, is the person to your right and left content whatever the circumstances. And, and check out this command that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. He, he says, give thanks. Uh, that's an imperative. It's eucharisteo, eucharisteo. You know, some people call it communion, the eucharist, eucharisteo. Give thanks, a command, Give thanks in all circumstances. What? Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Now, circumstances speak to the various situations that are happening around you. In fact, the word circumstance comes from the same root word as the word circumference. Here, I have a nice picture here. Let's do some math review. How do you determine... The circumference of a circle. What's the formula? We don't know. No, 2 pi r, right? Way to go, 
And the area is what? Pi R squared. All right, see, look at that. We did some math. I remember those equations for some reason. It's crazy how it always works, right? How does someone figure that out? I don't know. Um, it, the, that's how God designed it, right? Every circle, every, same way, because God did that, okay? And so the idea is that you can draw a circle around your life, and, and whatever happens to be inside that circle are your, are your circumstances. Like, like what, what's inside your circle this morning? Like, what are your current circumstances? Uh, now, now, what we learned, and some of us pretty early on in life, is that much of what happens inside of our circumference is largely out of our control. Yeah, we like to think we have control. Some degree that's true. But again, there's so much that we don't control, so many decisions we didn't make or we can't make. Bottom line, there's a lot that happens within our circumstances that we don't get to choose. Listen, some of the stuff that we did not choose that's in our life right now is pretty rough. Sometimes painful and often difficult. Amen? Amen? Amen. We're never getting out of here unless you give me some love back, right? And you know, I think Paul would say, yeah, I know, I get it, I feel you. I've been there and done that times 10. And then I believe he would look us in the eye with a gleam in his and say, nevertheless, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. Nevertheless, you must give thanks in all circumstances. And that's, that's difficult to do. That's hard to live out, right? Because we have this idea that the reason we don't give thanks and the reason we're not content is because of our circumstances, right? I mean, if our circumstances were different, if what was inside of our circle was different or not there, and here's some stuff, and I have another slide, like there's a bunch of junk that could be in your circumstances. Like, if what was inside was different, then I could give thanks, then I'd be joyful, then I'd be content. Bottom line, we think the problem is our circumstances. And so we think, you know, I wouldn't be so angry. I wouldn't be so disappointed. I wouldn't be so discouraged. I wouldn't be so frustrated or irritated or worried or afraid or depressed if my circumstances were different. Question, you ever think that way? Do you think that way when you woke up this morning and went to bed last night? And we kind of come with this if-then equation. We say, if this changed, if this was different, then I'd be different. I mean, if I could just get that promotion at work, if I could meet the right person, if my wife would show me more interest, if my husband would just listen and hear me, if my neighbors would move, if my health was better, if the parking lot was closer, if my parents would stop fighting, if my boss was nicer, if my coworkers were kinder, if people would stop hating and attacking me, if my children were more obedient, if my finances were better, if my house was bigger, if the car was newer, if if winter was warmer... If more people would show up on Sundays, if the, if my, then everything would be better. And I would be different. Then I would be thankful. And then I would be joyful and content. This is something I refer to as the happiness illusion. 
which is where we spend most of our lives thinking that happiness is determined by our circumstances. And the reason it's an illusion is because it never works. Because there's always going to be things inside of our circumstances that we want to change and that we want to be different. Question, if our circumstances are what determines whether or not we have a thankful and contented spirit, then how can Paul say, give thanks in all circumstances? Like, how can he say that? I mean, maybe Paul was just, you know, wired up a little bit more that way. Or maybe he hadn't experienced difficult circumstances in his life. You know, it's one thing for someone that, who lives in luxury and doesn't have a care in the world to say, hey, give thanks in all circumstances. But hey, you haven't been where I've been. You haven't gone through what I've gone through. But we know that wasn't Paul's experience, right? And last week, we looked at a list of some of Paul's circumstances, some of the things that came into Paul's life that he probably would refer to be different. Remember that list from 2 Corinthians? Here's just a reminder. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. That's quite a list, right? I mean, his circumstances, what happened within his circle was some pretty difficult stuff. And yet in Philippians 4, we find Paul talking about being content and joyful from a prison cell in Rome waiting to be executed. Question, when Paul says give thanks in all circumstances, how does he say that? Now maybe Paul was just one of those people, you know, who's annoyingly optimistic. We all know people like that. They're just kind of out of touch with reality and they're happy, but they're also, you know, or maybe Paul, maybe Paul had just been stoned one time too many and not like the 70s, right? And you know, that's what happened. And he's just kind of lost. He lost touch with reality. Or, or maybe he's just practicing the power of positive thinking where you tell yourself a lie long enough that you actually be, begin believing that lie even though you know it's not true. And maybe that's Paul. And perhaps some of you have studied this before and you're going, hey, wait a minute, Steve. It, it, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah, there's a difference between the two. I mean, I mean, but was Paul really able to give thanks in the midst of getting beat with rods? Was he able to give thanks when he's in the middle of the sea, he's been treading water for a day and a half, 
And it's not his first shipwreck. It's not his second shipwreck. It's his third shipwreck. I mean, is he still giving thanks in the midst of those circumstances? Yes, he is. And what allows him, what allows Paul to do that? What allows him to be joyful and content no matter what comes inside of his circumference? Brothers and sisters, I believe that it all comes down to, that it all rests on one thing, grace. And to the simple equation that we're looking at, grace is greater than my circumstances. Got any? Understand, it's grace. It's grace that allows us to look at it whatever circumstance comes our way. And still have a spirit of thanksgiving, of contentment, and of joy. It's grace that allows us, allows me, allows you to look at whatever circumstances comes our way and still have a spirit of thanksgiving, of contentment, of joy. It's grace, it's grace, it's grace. Grace is greater than. Hey, check this out. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where, where Paul, you know, says, Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Do you know how Paul ends this letter? How he closes the book to this church? He says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 28. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's the message he ends with. That's the emphasis he includes with, grace. And the Philippians where, where, where Paul talks about being content, whatever the circumstances, Paul concludes the exact same way. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, Philippians 4.23. And listen, it's not just those two letters. I, I, I did a, a quick survey of Paul's letters, and in every letter except one, the book of Romans, he ends the same way, by telling Jesus' followers in those churches to hang on to, to stand firm in, and to live out from, to hang on to, to stand firm in, to live out from God's amazing grace. And also by asking God, hey, could you give those folks a little bit more of it, a little bit more grace? Why? Because look, a lot of what Paul says makes no sense outside of grace. And listen, there's no way that Paul can command us, be joyful always, give thanks in all circumstances without grace. Get it? Good. Understand, giving thanks in all circumstances, being content no matter what comes into your circle without grace, that's just not going to happen. Again, grace is what allows us to be able to look at whatever circumstance we face, whatever that situation may be, living in plenty or in want, and still be thankful, still be joyful. Because whatever those experiences are, whatever we are experiencing circumstantially, the grace we receive from God is so much greater. Here's a Here's a way to, to kind of picture what I'm talking about. You know, you'll see an image here of a, of a scale, of a balance scale. And, 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 and kind of what I, I want us to do is to look at this and, and to, I want you to think about your circumstances. I want you to think about your current circumstances. Uh, we've looked at Paul's list. Now I want you to look at your list. And we all have one, right? 
Again, I just want you to look inside of your circumference, to look at the tough situations you're in, situations you would change if you could. Question, so what are the difficult, painful, hurtful things inside of your circle right now? Okay, so are you compiling your list? I mean, some of you may need more time, right? And now I want your mind to just kind of pile all those circumstances up. And some of you have to take two trips because some of those circumstances you're in right now, they're kind of heavy. <clears throat> but I want you to imagine you're, you're picking all those circumstances up and you're putting them on one side of the scale. And now what I want you to do is to take what we've learned about grace since October the 15th, a grace that is greater than, a grace that is greater than our mistakes, greater than our sin, greater than our failures, a grace that is greater than our hurts, that's greater than repayment, that's greater than revenge, that's greater than resentment, a grace that is greater than your weaknesses, that's greater than your insecurities, that's greater than your inabilities, that's greater than your infirmities, a grace that is greater than your circumstances, and I want you to put that on the other side of the scale. And listen, when we do that, we'll see that the scale tips dramatically under the weight of God's amazing grace. Amen. Grace is greater than our circumstances. Repeat after me. Grace is greater than my circumstances. Raise your hand if you believe that. <laughs> Raise your hand if you like to really kind of, sort of, believe it a little bit more. And, and what I would do now in order to help us get embraced live in and live out from this equation, grace is greater than our circumstances, is to give you one final equation in this series. An equation that kind of explains the why and how behind grace is greater than our circumstances. Here's the equation. Grace equals Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and for his glory. I understand, if you're a Jesus follower, in other words, if you in faith, repentance, confession, and baptism have surrendered your life to Jesus. And what's pretty cool, we've been reading the book of Acts. And this morning, and our faith comes from here, and we read Acts chapter 18. And we read about people in Corinth. In Acts 18 verse 8, it says, Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed, and were baptized. That's what we see throughout the book of Acts. People heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and they were baptized. If you've done that, you're a Jesus follower, and you are therefore not alone. I understand Jesus is with you in your circumstances. He's with you in the not-so-fun, taking-on-water stuff that you may be in right now or will be in the future. You are not alone. I understand like the disciples in Luke chapter 8 those 12 guys in the middle of a fierce storm. Strong winds beating against them. Their boat quickly filling up with water. Maybe grow like those 12 guys. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the mighty God is with us in the middle of our storms. Amen? Right? That's good news, right? Amen. He's with us in our storms. 
understand the truth is that we have, we all have, we all will go through storms and difficult times. Jesus said this world, in this world we'll have what? Trouble. Was he telling the truth? Oh yeah. Now perhaps a fierce storm is pounding you right now. I mean, hurricane force winds are crashing against your marriage, or, or, or maybe you're taking on water in your finances, or in your health, or in your job, or somewhere else. And listen, if that's you, there are two truths that you must never forget. Number one, that Jesus is with you in the storm. And number two, Jesus is greater than the storm. Amen? Understand, the waves and winds still know his name and bow to his commands. The waves and winds still know his name and bow to his commands. He's greater than the storm. Do we believe that? Here's the deal. Jesus being in Paul's circumstances, whether he was well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want, was the secret to Paul's continued contentment regardless of the circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or one. Paul, what's the secret? Could you write a book? He said, I already did. <laughs> and here's the secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I don't think there's a more misquoted or misunderstood verse in the entire Bible than this. I, I remember years ago uh, seeing T-shirts with pictures of athletes on them with the caption, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I, I wonder what that T-shirt conveyed to the kid who struck out. <laughs> the kid who, who couldn't block the goal and his team lost the championship. Understand in context, in context is king, what Paul is saying is, Through Christ, I can endure. Through Christ, I can be content. Through Christ, I can praise his name in all circumstances because he's with me, giving me strength, pouring out his grace. Amen? That's what he's saying. Because the disciples are in this violent storm. The winds are howling. The waves are crashing. The boat's filling up with water. They're freaking out. And and you know what? I wondered as I, I read this passage... Why didn't they wake him up sooner? Why didn't they? It says when they woke him up. Then say, well, immediately, you know, they saw the clouds coming. They heard the wind blowing. Immediately, Jesus. No, it says when. Why would they try to go through the storm without him? Why would you? Why would you try to go through that hard time without Jesus? Grace is Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and for his glory. Amen? See, Jesus not only, he's not only in our circumstances, but he's working in our circumstances for our good. I mean, we all know Romans 8.28, right? We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Not all things are good, but God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In Romans 5, we, we see some of, that, some of that good that God wants to bring out. That, some of that good that God is causing. 
Romans 5, 1 through 4. Paul writes, Therefore, so we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Okay. For we know. Someone say, for we know. Someone say, for we know. Someone say, for we know. Okay. For we know. That these problems and trials and hard times and things we wish never happened, wish we didn't have to deal with, they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Understand, Jesus is working in your circumstances for your good to help you develop endurance, help you develop strength of character, to give you confident hope of your salvation. Listen, I know sometimes the circumstances that, we're, that are inside our circumference are difficult, they're painful, they're hard, they're discouraging, but grace is greater than. Again, grace means that Jesus is working in your circumstances right now. If you wake him up, if you wake him up for your good, develop endurance, strength of character. And I love this. To give you a confident hope of your salvation. To know, hey, you know, I am saved. I am forgiven. And I am going home. I'm going to a better place. I'm going to a place where all these things that get me down, discourage me, depress me, and where they're going to be gone forever, right? It, 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 the more we go through our circumstances with Jesus working, the more we're confident. Hey, it doesn't matter. This life is a mist. And eternity is forever, and eternity is going to be, it's going to blow our minds, amen? amen? Grace equals Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and for his glory. I understand, every storm, every difficult circumstance, every painful situation you would like to remove from your circumstance is an opportunity to bring glory to God. Paul writes, in prison. It's already been beaten countless times. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, beaten, in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my change, because I've gone through hard times, because I've suffered, because I'm in prison for talking about Christ, and because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Are you kidding me? Like, they're doing the, Paul, you got beat up for talking about Jesus, but because of the way you handle it and we're joyful in it and content in it, I want to talk about Jesus too, even though I may get beat up for doing the same thing. Wow. A little down further in that first chapter, he says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, one guy I read this week wrote, Paul's in prison, 
Again, each time he's not sure if he'll be released or executed. And even when he's free from prison, he's not free from threats to his life. But notice his perspective of the entire situation. He can see his troubles and imprisonment only through the lens of grace-filled optimism. The gospel has become known throughout the imperial guard. From Paul's perspective, in the light of the gospel of grace, everything must serve the purpose of the glory of Christ. So it isn't a tragedy, therefore, that Paul is in prison, being persecuted within or unjustly maligned without. No, it's a privilege. Paul considers it a blessing to be considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Here's a statement that's so true. Many times our circumstances, the really hard ones, you had a big loss. Doctor gave you a bad report. You lost your job. Many times our circumstances put us in the center ring. The ring, right? In the circus, right? That has the most attention. With the powerful and undeniable opportunity to bring him glory. Everybody's watching you, right? Like that. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you, right? That's easy when things are good. It doesn't impress the world. But when your life is crashing and everything is falling apart and you have no reason to be confident and they look at you and go, what is wrong with you? How can you be that way with all you're going through? And you say, hey, it's not me. It's Christ who's given me strength. And countless times, people in the midst of hardship and difficulties have proclaimed the message more powerful than it's ever proclaimed from up front in a church on a Sunday morning. Amen? It's like the guy born blind in John 9, right? He's born blind. He goes, oh, did his parents sin? Did he sin? Why did it happen? You ever had that question? Like, why? Why am I going through this? Why is it so hard right now? John 9, 3. This happened. And it happened. It's already happening. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's like it's an opportunity. God, I, I, don't, I wish it wasn't here. Paul's like, hey, I'd rather not be beaten with rods. You know, I prefer to do something else on a Saturday afternoon. But if I'm going to be beaten with rods for Christ, I'm going to use it to proclaim Christ and to bring him glory. Grace equals being in Jesus being our circumstances, working for good and for his glory. Check out these words. I just got to read these from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, so good. We are pressed. Someone say we are pressed. On every side by troubles. But we're not crushed. We are perplexed. Someone say we are perplexed. We are perplexed. (laughs) Try to say what I just said and messed up. But not driven to despair. We are hunted down. Someone say we are hunted down. But never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Someone say we get knocked down. You ever been knocked down? Ever been pressed on every side? But never, but we are not destroyed. Yes, we live under constant danger. We live in the face of death. 
But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Five times. Forty lashes minus two times beating the rods, shipwrecked. Everybody's wanting to kill you. Yet he says this, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. Our present troubles are small. They won't last long, but they're producing a glory that outweighs them, and that'll last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, the troubles we go through now, the difficulties we go through now will soon be gone. Praise Jesus. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. Bev Grovitz, November 12, 2023, and I have good news of great joy for you. Grace is greater than your circumstances. Grace is Jesus being your circumstances, working for your good and for his glory. Those are the two equations in my attempt at trying to explain how grace actually is greater than our circumstances. I'm about to do a really powerful conclusion, all right? So... Stop texting your friends. You can change your fantasy football lineup later. I got to check mine because I'd lose all the time. Okay. Not nothing to do with my sermon, but my fantasy team is two and seven, and the Patriots are two and seven. I don't know what's going on. Anyhow, forget I said all that stuff to distract you. But I'm about to have a really powerful conclusion, and you're not supposed to say that, but now you know, right? So I got to deliver. And you're going to see some cards on the floor, and. What I want you to be thinking about, because what we're going to wind up doing, you know, is, remember that verse in Hebrews, see to it that no one misses the grace of God? And, and grace is greater than our hurts. Grace is greater than our sin and mistakes. Grace is greater than our weaknesses. Grace is greater than our circumstances. And, and what I'm going to ask you all to do, after my powerful conclusion, it is, because sometimes it's good to do something physical. Like, and maybe I'm naive, but I think maybe someone out here has made a mistake and failed. And you need to know that grace is greater than that, right? And maybe someone's out here who's been hurt by somebody. And that hurt is deep. And it's hard to get past that hurt. But grace is greater than. You know, it, it, it's greater than revenge. It's greater than you living in resentment. Grace is greater than. And, and, and I may be naive again that some of you may be like, when you look at doing things for God and living your life for him, like you're like, hey, maybe you're, you're insecure. I, I, I could never do that. I don't have what it takes. 
Grace is greater than your weaknesses. And grace is greater than whatever circumstance you're in right now. And so the opportunity is, you know, there's no magic in doing this. But as you write it on there and say, you know what? This hurt has been here long enough. I've tried to get past it. And it keeps coming back. But the day I'm going to claim the truth, you know, whatever that hurt is, you know, hey, you can put that card in here at the belt. Grace is greater than that hurt. Remember, there's some sin, some shame, some guilt that you just can't get past. Today, we're going to say, guess what? Grace is greater than that. Grace is greater than that failure. It's greater than that mistake. It's greater than that guilt you carry. It's greater than the shame that the enemy wants you to wear. It's greater than. And so it's just an opportunity. You have a tough circumstance you'd rather not be in. And you're going to say, you know what? Grace is greater than. And you're claiming the truth that God's grace is greater than. And so, you know, there's cards under your seat. You'll see at that kiosk over there, the one over there, there's a basket and a bell. You know, and, and we've done this for the bell, right? You know, they need to put these at the deli at food line because sometimes I can't get their attention. I want to bring my own bell next time. Maybe I should do that, right? Because <laughs> right? like, hey, hello, hello, I'm here. Hey, uh, this is Steve. I'm in food line right now sitting by the deli. Is anyone working there today? You know, but anyhow, I'm not well. But this thing, like, I need help. And you say, I need help dealing with that hurt. I need help dealing with that mistake. I need help with those circumstances. I need help with that weakness. And that's what we're saying to God today. Amen? And so we're going to get up and write some stuff down. There's pens all over this place at every kiosk in the, in the back welcome center. You know, um, if you have a hurt and thing, if you're going, well, I don't want to do that because people know something's wrong in my life. Guess what? I already do, right? This is you and God time. This is you and God time. No one else, right? Just write those things down and claim the truth that God's grace is greater than. Would you guys stand? I'm going to pray us into this song here. Heavenly Father, God, you're amazing and incredible and God, God, I, I know that in just a minute I could put, a, I'm going to put a bunch of stuff on my card. And God, I pray for everyone in this room, Lord. If they're dealing with hurt. They can't get past that sin, failure, mistake. They have a circumstance that just is so, so heavy for them right now. They're taking on water. Or they just feel weak, Lord, and they don't have what it takes. They're not good enough. They don't measure up. Lord, I pray that they, and I realize that your grace is sufficient and your power is made perfect in weakness. As we, and as we take communion, may we remember you. In Jesus' name, amen.